Thank you, Lord. We bless you this morning. Lord, we open our hearts to you. Lord, we worship you. We exalt you all the way, Lord, through the teaching and preaching of your word. Let it find great soil here this morning. Our hearts are yours. We pray, Lord, that when people see us, that they can see you. Thank you, Lord, for mobilizing us, energizing us, equipping us, sanctifying us, setting our feet upon a rock. The world is very shakable, but your kingdom is unshakable. And we're founded upon you. We love you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Amen. All right. Well, as I mentioned, uh, see if it. Anyway, as I mentioned earlier, if you're new around here, welcome to Grace Church. If you guys could help me in the back, for some reason the iPad's not working. Uh, I should say welcome to Grace Church. We're not here to train you to hear messages. We want to train you to abide in Christ, walk in His ways, and do His works. We want you to live connected to Christ, to live as a Christ-filled person uh, in the earth. So we've been talking about the centrality of Jesus, laying Him as our foundation. Been on this for a couple of years because we think Jesus is the main thing. He's what it's all about. Getting to know His person, getting to know His work, Uh, his mission, getting to know his teachings, which is what we're currently on, eventually getting to know his authority and getting to know his uh, voice. So um, what we're going to do through this morning service, Romans 8.29. So that's your uh, assignment, if you will, for this week. If you can eat that passage, sit with Jesus in Romans 8.29. I actually think you need to include Romans 8.30 in that because it is so, so good. All right, uh, if we could put Jesus taught up there, please. Thank you. Jesus taught truth. Thanks, Matt. Jesus taught truth. Jesus taught God is our Father. Jesus taught the Father's kingdom is accessible now. And then number four, Jesus taught regeneration. And that's where we left off last week. We just started this, so if today's your first day, welcome. Talking about... The uh, doctrine, if you will, of regeneration, something that Jesus taught. Uh, The foundation for us to be family as brothers and sisters doesn't live in the realm of our head and our intellect and what we believe to be true. Our unity is based on the Spirit. We're actually born of the same Spirit. We've all been regened. Regeneration. You've been regened on the inside, so you're my brother. You've got the same genes in you that I have in me, G-E-N-E. Are you tracking with me? Okay. So we're, we're born of the same Father, washed in the same blood, and we've, been, we've all been regened on the inside. So that makes us brothers and sisters. That's where our unity is. Well, it looks like we're going to have to discard the iPad today. <laughs> Let's go to Romans 8.29. Romans 8.29. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that Jesus might be known as the firstborn among many others that would be born of God. Amen? Now, all of our backgrounds are the same. It would be a hoot to find out, okay, who's got Catholic background? Who's got uh, Baptist background? Who's got Pentecostal background? Thank you, brother. We have all these different backgrounds. And different beginnings. We could go around and say who was born in what state. And I see a Purdue jersey back there. And, you know, uh, Indiana. <laughs> so our, our beginnings and our past is all different. But our destiny is all the same. It is right here. Everyone in this room predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. That Jesus might be known as the firstborn. Among many brethren who were also born of God. Verse 30. If you have your Bible, check it out. I should have thrown it up there, but I didn't get, I didn't see it until this morning. Verse 30 says, For whom he predestined, he also called. And whom he called, he justified. Remember that from last week, Romans? 
I believe it's chapter 5 says that we were justified by His blood but saved by His life. Remember that? Justified by His blood, saved by His life. Romans 8.30 says, Whom He justified, He glorified. In other words, He took His glory, His DNA, and put it in those He justified. So I'm going to say again, the cross was only a means to an end. We're justified by His blood. And unfortunately, that's where most of America stops. Yay, I'm justified. All my sins have been paid for. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. If you, you can know all of that and a bag of chips, but if you don't have divine life on the inside of you, you are not born again. Or what we might say in our culture, saved. You have to have divine life. You have been glorified. Those He justified, He glorified. And that's Romans chapter 8 and verse 30. So God's goal of conforming all of us to look like Jesus, and and please hear me, uh, this is a serious goal of our Father. This is serious, that you look like Jesus. And if you look at America, and I'll throw the stat up there for you here in just a minute, but if you look at America, supposed Christian nation, right, seven out of ten are Christians, why don't we see the life of God? Why are we in moral decline? Why, why are things going the way they're going? Because we don't understand or haven't been taught regeneration is a doctrine of Jesus Christ, that you must be born from above. You must be born of the Spirit. So God's goal of conforming us to look like Christ, which our country really needs to see Jesus, not religion. Because apart from the life of God, Christianity is nothing more than dead religion. It's nothing more than believisms, traditions, doctrines, and all the like. So God's goal to have you looking like Jesus in front of your spouse and your children and your grandchildren as time goes on, more and more looking like Jesus, it began at regeneration. We thought His plan was to save us. No, His his plan was to put His glory in us. <laughs> We thought His plan was to save us and send us on to heaven. But His plan was to justify you by His blood and then invade your spirit with His divine life so that, so that He would glorify you. In other words, He'd glorify Himself. He'd reveal Himself through you. You'd look like His kids. We had so much fun at students, 612 students Wednesday night. It's talking about Shanna Sears' daughter, Jaden, and I said, <laughs> I said, uh, does Jaden look like her mother? And they're like, sure it does. I said, in the same way, the Father's desire is for us to grow up and look like Him. How does He do it? Because we can't be like God without God. He justified you and then He filled you with Himself. That's what it means to be regenerated. And I'm sorry, but I love you too much to let you fall for a false doctrine that says, well, I believe Jesus died and rose again, so I'm going to heaven when I'm dead. If you don't have life, you're still spiritually dead. God is very interested in us becoming Christ-like in, in our words, our deeds, our attitudes. And He cares about this so much that you look like Him. He regened you. I like that. But introducing his life into you was the beginning of the plan to make you like Jesus. It's the beginning of Romans eight twenty nine. You getting born again is the beginning of him conforming you to the image of his son. Does that make sense? It's not the end. It's the beginning. So we don't just sign a card and join a church and be like, well, I guess I'll hang on till I get to heaven and then I'll meet God. No, you should be meeting and knowing and intercoursing with God here on the earth because nobody in heaven needs your help. They're all here. Let me go ahead and put it up here for you. Seven out of ten Americans, 69% claim to be Christian, but only 29% of those claim to be born again. So that, that explains a lot. Why are we in the moral cesspool we are? And if you don't think it can get worse, it can. It absolutely can. We, we better be putting on the new man every day. Amen? Better be putting on the new man. Ephesians 4. 
So, I don't know, maybe 20%, maybe one out of five Americans are actually infused with divine life. Well, that explains a lot. I mean, we have politicians that claim to be Christian, but I sure don't hear a lot of them talking about being born again. How much they love Jesus. (laughs) So, this idea that, well... I believe in Jesus, so I'm a Christian. Even the demons believe that He died and rose again. And they're not regened. Well, I go to church, so I'm a Christian. Uh, I, do, I do good works. I'm better than most other people. Hey, the standard is not other people. The standard is Christ. And uh, you don't meet that standard. So you need a Savior. You need divine life. See, man can still do good apart from God. He can be benevolent. He can do good things, but it cannot regene him. And when you uh, get to the pearly gates, he's going to be looking for himself in you. And you're going to say, oh, well, you should let me in because I'm amazing and I'm better than most. <laughs> or I was a part of Grace Church. I... I went to core partners. <laughs> he, none of that matters. A hill of beans. He's looking for himself in you. And your answer is going to be because you regened me. And I consented to receive divine life. That's why I'm here. Because I am yours. And you're mine. Amen, somebody. Well, Brother Steve, aren't we supposed to believe? Yes, the Bible says we should believe. And you're quoting Romans 10, 9 and 10. Believe with your heart, confess with your mouth, right? But let me tell you what the word heart means in Romans chapter 10. It means the very core of your being. That when you believe with your heart, not your head, when you believe, he's talking about your guts, all of your inside, the very core of your existence, you believe this. That's how you get regened. You become new on the inside. I was letting, uh, I was talking with uh, Don Wheeler the other day, and who was the other one? Uh, Might have been, maybe it was Pat. I can't remember my, I'm 52 years old. I should be able to remember this. (laughs) Anyway, they were describing the day that they met Christ. uh, It was Ron Garman. Thank you, Jesus. All right, Ron and Don. Two other elders came up, met with the staff, and shared when they met Christ. And both of them described. It was so crazy because they didn't talk. They both talked about how life invaded them. That all the darkness that was in them at that place in their life, they were miserable. Things were terrible in their life. There was all kinds of darkness. And, uh, and when they prayed and called out to God, life filled them. That's regeneration. So we do need to believe, but we believe with the core of our being. See, your head is different than your heart. Because your heart, everything you are flows out of your heart. Proverbs 4.23. Out of the abundance of your heart, the core of your being, your mouth speaks. Matthew 12.34. We're to love God with all of our heart. Matthew 22.37. Not some, not a divided heart, but a pure heart, a single heart. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Whereas your brain processes information. And your brain can say, you know what? That Jesus guy, he sounds good. I think, I think he did die for me. I, I think he did die for me. And I think he, he rose from the dead. But do you believe in your heart? Because you can believe the information to be true and it never affects your heart. Well, prove it. America. <laughs> Proved it. <laughs> this right here. You can believe it's true in your head and it not affect the core of your existence. When you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you confess with your mouth that He's Lord and God raised Him from the dead, uh, we're talking about your inner being shifts. I'm, I'm no longer living this life for me in my heart. My heart is given to another. That's what's happened in our country is just believism. And it was all about how many converts can we get? How many cards can we get? How many people can we get? You know, as easy as possible. Make it so easy we can get the numbers we're looking for. If you have a church of 300 people and 30 of them 
know Jesus intimately and live connected to him on a daily basis. I mean, and just abide in his life. You have a church of 30, not 300. You got 270 spectators who maybe mean well, can do good things, but you must be born again. John 3, 7, Jesus said, do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born on the inside again. I'll show you that here in a minute. Did you know a good prayer won't save you? A heart that genuinely believes and receives. A heart inside. A heart that genuinely, authentically believes and receives divine life. That's how you get born again. Let's go to John chapter 3, verse 3. This is amplified classic. Jesus answered Nicodemus and said, Truly I say to you. And this is uh, after Nicodemus you know, asked the dumbest question in the Bible. Can we enter a second time to our mother's womb <laughs> and be born again? Why, why does he think that? He's natural thinking. That's Jesus speaks spirit. Jesus speaks spirit. Not fallen carnal man. That's why the world gets confused about us Christians. He told Peter and the boys they would have power. Remember? I'm going to give you power. And Peter took out the sword and lopped a guy's ear off. Jesus like, whoa, buddy. Not, not man power. Right? Peter thought, power, we got the power. Let's go out and kill them all. James and John did it in uh, Luke chapter 9, verse 51 through 56. Can we call down fire and kill everybody? Because they won't let you come and preach in their town. Jesus rebuked them. Severely censored them. You don't know of what spirit you are right now. I didn't come here to destroy people's lives. I came to save them. He speaks spirit. And so Peter heard power and he thought, okay, we're going to take authority. We're going to start taking lives. Jesus said this power is divine. It's supernatural. It's spirit born. It's heaven born. And it's power to give your life, not take somebody else's. It's a power to lay your life down. It's the power to give up your rights and serve humanity for the gospel. That's power. That's the power when they ripped his beard out and they spat on him and they insulted him and they tore his clothes, they sold them all and all that stuff. He didn't strike up and cold cock any of them, right? He didn't get up and punch him in the mouth. Why? Different kind of power. All right, let's go back to this. I, I got on track there. Truly I say to you, unless a person is born again, born anew, born from above, he cannot ever see, know, be acquainted with, or experience the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is spirit. It lives in the realm of the Holy Spirit. Romans 14, 17, the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking and other religious observances. It is righteous peace and joy where? It's in the Holy Spirit. The kingdom is in the Holy Spirit. He lords from within. Nicodemus said to him, oh, here it is. How can a man be born of his old? Can he enter a second time to his mother's womb and be born? Jesus said, truly I say to you, unless a man is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot ever enter the kingdom of God. And that cross-reference there of Ezekiel is God giving you a new heart and a new spirit. His, his spirit. The flesh is flesh. It was prophesied 600 years before Jesus came. The flesh is flesh. Physical is physical. What is born of spirit, though, is spirit. So you entered the natural world through a natural birth. You entered the physical realm through physical birth. How do you enter the realm where God resides? By spiritual birth. Becoming new, regened on the inside. Becoming a brand new person. He did not improve the old you. Somebody asked me the other day, when are we going to get the pig picture back out there? I, I should have brought it this morning. You guys remember it? The pig with the lipstick on, the pearls. I mean, all gussied up. It's still a pig. He, he didn't come to improve your old physical man. He came to kill the old physical natural you and rebirth you as a son of God in the spirit. Amen. That which is born of spirit is spirit. Marvel not. Don't be surprised. Don't be astonished that I'm telling you, you must all be born anew. The wind blows where it wills, and though you hear its sound, yet you neither know where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. I, I was reminded immediately of John 14, and you can write that down in your notes, 16 through 18. Jesus said, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. 
Spirit of truth. He's coming to you, but the world cannot know him and cannot receive him. Do you remember what he said? Why? Because they cannot see him. The Holy Spirit is like the wind. He's very real. You cannot see him, but you can see the effects of him. And that's why the Lord is adamant. Let's start this year figuring out what it really means to be born of the Spirit. That we really are regened on the inside. Jesus taught salvation by regeneration, not by signing a card, not by believing right doctrine. And without the Spirit remaking us from within, Christianity is simply a form of godliness with no divine life or power to it. 2 Corinthians 3, 5. No power to live out our already purchased freedom. Do you know you have power on the inside of you that can overcome sin in the natural realm? You don't have to wait until you're dead in heaven to be free of sin. You have the spirit of the overcomer, Christ himself on the inside of you. Let him overcome sin and death by his life. What am I saying? Be so preoccupied with Him. Set the course. Set the wind of your sails. Prioritize it every day to be so in love, so full of Christ, so sitting with Jesus that sin and death are not appealing to you. Instead, we lapse on all that. We're not disciplined. We don't spend time with Him. We don't spend time in the Word. And then we wonder why the world overcomes us. The wind of God is on the inside of you. If you're born again, you pray that prayer with your heart. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I once was dead, but make me alive. You know that Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people alive. That's why the pig doesn't do us any good. Put the pearls on it for Sunday school. Put your tithing lipstick on it. None of that will help you. You cannot be a pig anymore. You must be made new. The wind of God is inside of you. Affecting you. Influencing you. The wind blows where it wishes. So it is with those born of the Spirit. Why did that gentleman walk over to my waitress and pay for our lunch that day. Why did that happen? Because the wind blows where it wishes. They couldn't see where it originated. But it originated deep within the heart of that gentleman. Does that make sense? I don't know why our neighbor is so kind to us. We throw up security fences on them. You know, we do anything we can to separate ourselves from them. And yet, here she is. She's always baking us a pie. Why is she always bringing us goodies? You know, around Christmas time. Why is our neighbor so generous? They don't understand it. But we do. The wind of God blows on the inside of you. Do what he says. Do what he says. People will marvel. You ever seen those testimonies where... I remember the maybe the most recent was when a gunman had went into a church and shot a bunch of people and one of the uh, church members was on TV and she said, I forgive him. I have released that debt. I am praying for his soul that he would find Christ because if he knew Christ inside and out, he would have never done that. The world marvels at that. They don't understand it. So Jesus said, we have to be born into the realm that God resides in the realm of the spirit. John 4, whoever worships him does so in spirit and in truth. This is non-negotiable. You have zero hope of knowing God or possessing divine life if you're not born again. He must come into you and show you who he is. Amen? The disciples, they were doing great, right, in the gospels. They were amazing. They were half souls trying to live out a whole commitment. How'd they do? Terrible. They like to jockey for who's going to be first place. They want to know. I mean, the the healer's right with them. They want to know who sinned, this guy or his parents. (laughs) They were off. 
What happened? They got regened. Divine reinforcements entered them, and they were different. They turned the world upside down. What happened to them? Life. Divine life. Do you see the difference? My goodness. And they built a community of faith around the life of Christ that was in them. They were willing to die for him. They knew him that well. I love Acts chapter 5 where they take, I think it's Peter and John, they publicly flog him and humiliate him. And then they let him go and they went away, the Bible says, rejoicing because they had been counted worthy to suffer shame for Jesus Christ. That's what America needs. People, they need to see people who know Jesus Christ, whose lives don't belong to them anymore. Whose lives belong to Christ, who are living unafraid. We're not afraid. Why? Perfect love came and He cast out all our fear. So we live unafraid. Why are you so generous? Unafraid. Why are you so kind to people who don't deserve it? Unafraid. Why don't you hoard all your possessions? Why are you such a free giver? Unafraid. Why are you so gentle? Why are you so generous? Why are you so kind? Why do you wash people's feet who don't deserve it? Read John 13. Jesus, knowing the Father, had given all things into His hands. He had come from God. He was going back to God. Had nothing to fear. So He took a towel, wrapped it around His waist, washed His disciples' feet. He served them. He even washed Judas's feet. Why? Because we live out of the purity of our own heart. We're not deciding whose heart's pure enough to be served. We're living out of the purity of new life within. We're not, we're not going around qualifying the recipients. Where'd we learn that? Him. He didn't come here and just die for everybody who deserved it. I don't know that we would have found one. Is that fair? All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. He died for us because of the purity of His own heart. Because of the divine life so pure inside of Him. Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords, He comes down here, takes His lofty position to serve us. Serve us. Why? Because He's got nothing to gain, nothing to earn, nothing to prove. He's not going after some lofty status. The Good Samaritan story. What a story there. The priest and the Levite. Why didn't they stop? Because they're on their way to church. They're on their way to the temple, earning points. We're going to get this done. Jesus had all the points in the world, and He emptied Himself. That life is in you. That, that person is inside of you. And I'm asking you, I'm, be, I'm beseeching you by the Spirit of the living God to get in touch with His divine life and get to know Him relationally. Amen? Maybe that's why He came inside of you was to reveal Himself to you. Oh yeah, through this interactive, intrapersonal relationship with Christ, you become more and more like Him. So be aware. Live in awareness of Christ in you. Regeneration comes with a purpose. To fill you with God's life, fill you with God's love, and fill you with intimacy that takes away fear. Intimacy is fully known and fully loved. That's what that means. If you're intimate with someone, you're fully known, they know everything about you, they love you anyway. That's intimacy. How much more you're intimate with the living God. Fully known and fully loved. So out of that, we don't fear all the shame, sorry, all the thieves of intimacy, shame, guilt, fear, worry, anxiety, all the thieves of intimacy have been cast out by perfect love. So here we are, regene human beings, born from above. No, we're not in heaven yet, and that makes the devil nervous. Because we're here to do him damaging blows. We're not even here to build a church. Scripture says Christ will build the church. We're here to live the life that's been given to us. Does this make sense to you? Let's do some other great stuff. So we're still in John 3. Verse 14 now. We're still in John 3. Remember that. The whole thing about being born again. We're just a few verses down. Verse 14. And Jesus said, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that whoever believes in Him would not perish but have... 
Nowhere in the New Testament does it say that we receive eternal life when we're dead. Nowhere. If you receive the Son, you receive life even while you're here on planet Earth. Verse 16, right? The guy with the multicolored hair in the end zone holding it up behind the uprights. John 3, 16. All these years, everybody thought it was justification. It Don't stop with justification. He didn't just love you so he'd justify you. He loves you so he's giving you life. Now, the devil was the biggest proponent that nobody gets eternal life until they're dead. And then they're in heaven. He doesn't care. He can't do anything about what's happening in heaven. He's been kicked out. But he likes to make a mess here. So he wants to keep you in the dark and make you think that, yeah, uh, I'll get eternal life once I'm dead. The New Testament doesn't teach that. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Whoever believes on Him wouldn't perish but have everlasting life. Yay for us. My sins are forgiven. I got a ticket to heaven. You missed the, the whole point is that you can have life. You have everlasting life. For God didn't send His Son to the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved, sozoed, made whole, spirit, soul, and body. He who believes in Him is not condemned. He who does not believe is condemned already because he's not believed. Settle down, Steve. Settle down. (laughs) Not believed in the name, the character, the person of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation. Light came into the world and men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. They don't want to acknowledge their need for Him. They don't want to acknowledge their their need for life. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and doesn't come to the light lest his deeds would be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen and that they've been done in God. Now, verse 36. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. He who does not believe in the, the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. He who believes... And John the Baptist said that. He who believes the Son, what's the next, next word? He who believes in the Son has, 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 has life. Now, nowhere does it say he who has a Son when they're dead, they'll inherit eternal life. No wonder seven out of ten Americans claim to be Christian and the moral, the morality, the culture of our of our country is in the commode. Anti-God. Anti-Christ. They don't know Him. His only way to know Him is by the introduction of new life into the human being. Well, that's pretty good, Steve. Do you have any other thing that can prove it? Okay, sure. First John 5.10 <laughs> He who believes in the Son of God has the witness inside himself. He does not believe God has made him a liar because he's not believed the testimony that God has given of his Son. Man, I'm, I'm glad that John said that, not me. If you don't believe in him, you're calling God a liar. Put that on CNN. You don't believe in the testimony of the life of Jesus Christ is the only way you're saying God himself is a liar. Hello, Oprah. Christ is the way. He Himself is God in human flesh. Verse 11, and this is the testimony I'm talking about. God has given us eternal life. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. He who has the Son has Zoe life. Annie mentioned it earlier. He who does not have the Son of God doesn't have Zoe life. Zoe means divine life, life as God possesses it. And that's, that's a way different kind of life. That's not bios in the Greek, B-I-O-S. That would be like a biography about your natural self. This is Zoe. It's life as God has it. And when you believe on Him and you receive Him with all of your heart, He comes in you and life's your dead spirit. And now you look at things different. He's going to go to work. He'll start in your spirit. But then He's going to work on your choosing mechanism. There were times, Sherry... Can I use you as an example? Thanks. <laughs> Sherry and I, we've talked over the years. There's been times, I know this will shock you, she didn't want to do what the Lord had asked her to do. 
It was hard. She didn't want to do it. But life inside of her compels her. See, you have free choice. But if you're born again, you don't have free will. Your will is under redemption. God Almighty has gotten a hold of your innards. And though you want to hate your neighbor or hurt your coworker inside, he says, nope. Now, you got freedom of choice. You can go cold cock him if you want. But just expect the knock on the heart's door. Right? What is that? It's proof you've been invaded. A king is not a king unless he has a kingdom he rules in. Well, where's his kingdom? He told Pilate, it's inside. It's in the heart of man. Where I rule and reign is on the inside. We should be proof of this. Our choices should look different than the world. We don't watch what they watch. We don't listen to what they listen to. We listen to the author and finisher of our faith. We avoid the appearance of evil. We cling to what is good. We love people who don't give us love. They may hate us and we love them anyway. What is that? Proof that you have life and it has possessed you. The divine life of God has regened you. You're not like the world. The world will world. They will do their thing. But we are different. And His life is proof of it. And I'm, just, I'm, I'm no different than any of you. When I first... Heard about John 3.16? I thought, yeah, just believe. I just need to believe. Thank you, Jesus. I'm not going to die now. Right? I'm not going to perish. And then he started to teach me, hey, you got divine life inside you, brother. See eternal life not as a duration of life, but as a quality. It's defining a type of life. It's eternal. It's heavenly. It's spiritual. It's uh, unseen. That's what he means by eternal or everlasting. And he's right because it's life as God possesses it. There's no beginning or end to it. Which is further proof that you can have it now. He, that's right. He himself is life. So he is available to you now. God is not confined to heaven. His spirit invades us here and we become his offspring so it's not a duration of life it's a quality of life and if you take salvation to only be justification you'll see it as the end instead of the beginning and you'll miss god's major desire to spiritually form you inside to look like him you begin this journey where Christ is formed in you, Paul said. And this is very important because when you lead people to Christ, and you're going to do that in 2023, amen? We're going to take those divine opportunities, and, and you guys will be leading people to Christ in 2023, and then you'll be discipling them because you can't leave the baby at the hospital and say, well, way to go. Where did that come from? Because we didn't see divine life. We thought our job was done because we uh, got them heaven ready. <laughs> Remember, salvation, the regening that just happened to your friend is the beginning. What's the goal? What's his end goal? Regening? No. Regening was so that he could grow up and be conformed to the image of God's Son. Romans eight twenty nine. That's his destiny, to look like Jesus. So for those of you, you know, that you lead people to Christ, you need to know these things. That they, Once they're regened, then discipleship begins. Now we walk with them and Christ gets formed in them through relationship. Who else are they going to talk to? they got to talk to you. You're the one who introduced them. This is very important because regeneration is transformational, just like the grace of God. I can't wait to get into this. won't be today. We even have a misunderstanding of the grace of God. We took it as a doctrine and left it dormant. When in fact, grace is a person. The very life of God is the grace of God. Titus 2 says he appeared, bringing salvation. <laughs> and then what's it say? And grace trains us to live godly lives in the present age. Grace is transformational. Salvation is transformational. It's not a date and time stamp 
that, oh, yeah, I got saved that day, and now I'm ready to go to heaven. I'll just hold on and make it as long as I can. That was just the beginning. Salvation is unto transformation. Why? His goal wasn't just saving you. His goal was to conform you to the image of Christ. Does that make sense? And so as a church, I mean, you need to know we're, go- we're, we're going after Christ-likeness. This is super important to our Heavenly Father. I'm not going to stand up here and, and, and just cheer because somebody, you know, came forward and gave their heart and life to Christ. Now, the angels in heaven rejoice, so yes, I'll cheer a little bit, but that's the beginning. Because we have too many converts in this country with easy believism. And we don't have enough people indwelt by divine life. I think step one should be, tell us what happened. When you receive Christ, do you understand that divine life came within you? That's why, you know, the True You book out there is all about who we are in Christ. What happened to us the day we got born again? Something happened on the inside. First John says we know we've passed from death into life because of how we love each other. If you got some salvation that doesn't cause you and, and, and admonish you to love each other, you didn't get life. I don't know what you got, but you didn't get life. If you can't love your brother, you don't have life. How do we? I didn't say it. John said it. We know we passed out of death, our former state, into life, Zoe, by how much we love each other. Thank you, John, for saying it. So what am I saying? Regeneration is transformational. Salvation transforms us into Christ's likeness, not just justifies us. Everybody okay? I want to talk about 612 Youth on Wednesday night. Wyatt was there. What a time we had. Myself and our leaders of your teenagers are on mission to start this year to make sure they understand regeneration, to make sure they understand the new birth. So what we did is we had a just open discussion with all of our students and the leaders about what it means to be born again. And we went with John 3. We got into that, several other scriptures. Why is this important? God, I'll tell you why. Because our young people don't just need a remedy for their sin today. They need life that overcomes all the garbage that's being thrown their way. Go ahead and give God praise. That's the truth right there. They don't just need a remedy for sins they had committed, stuff they had done wrong. They need life for where they're going. Some of them may live to be 85. Can you imagine going from age 15 when you pray to prayer and then living independent of God, performing for Him, living with a separation theology for 70 years? The world would beat the living daylights out of that person. But what happens if they understand at age 15 that Jesus Christ Himself, the living Word, divine life from God, entered them? That they were born again by an incorruptible seed. Jesus Christ, the Word, the living Word, came alive on the inside of them and they're not who they used to be. And then they started growing up in all aspects into Him. Well, now we can live an overcoming life. Now we don't wait till we're in heaven to be an overcomer. They need life and love and companionship. They need union for where they're going. Not just a remedy for stuff they did wrong. We cannot treat the introduction of Christ's life into somebody's heart as simply forgiveness of sins and assurance of heaven. It is divine life. And so once a young person, when your students come on Wednesday night, once they're introduced to divine life, then they're going to be taught specifically a couple of things. Abide in Him. Learn to live the reality of the connection. You didn't cause the connection. You couldn't earn it. He gave it to you as a gift based on your consent. All right? So He enters you. Number two, teach them their identity. You think there's not a war, uh, a war against identity in our culture today? 98 genders? Are you kidding me? Everything's under assault. Your kids need to know who the one who made them says they are. That we take our information from the manufacturer. We're not asking all the other iPhones who and what we are. We're going to Apple. 
And by that I mean God, the manufacturer. <laughs> I've used that analogy before. If, we, if we're all the made iPhones, we, can, we don't know in ourselves what's true about us. We didn't make ourselves. You've got to ask the manufacturer, hey, what's in me? What'd you put in me? Who am I? What gifts do I have? How do I work? Amen. You do know that purpose precedes and, and function precedes design. Ford Motor Company did not make a thousand Ford Mustangs and say, hmm, wonder how that works. Shall we put orange juice in it? No, they knew that it functions and it runs on gasoline. They knew that before they made it. God knows how we work and how we run before he made us. So as I told the youth on Wednesday night, now this is powerful. Mark chapter 5, do you remember the Gadarene demoniac? Verse 5 says he did what? He was, he was celebrating being possessed by darkness day and night. Is that what it says? He was celebrating how joyous it is to be filled with crud. No, it says he cried day and night and cut himself with stones. He cut himself every single day. Why? Because man is not made to be governed by darkness. And I'm telling you, darkness is encroaching our nation. You've got to listen to me. We are not made for the rule of darkness. And whether our politicians or any of those leaders get on board with this, you serve the light. And you walk in the light and you live as light in this age. Are you with me? Because darkness will profit you nothing. And I know it's easy to conform, but you're not made for darkness. And I'll go back to what I was saying. And I told the students this on Wednesday night. Yes, you can choose to be filled with darkness if you choose that. But you cannot choose that darkness is healthy for you. The manufacturer put it in you. We're made by him and for him. We are made for righteousness. We're made for light. We're made for love. We're made for joy. Everything Jesus taught is health producing and life giving to human beings. Every single thing. Darkness is unhealthy, unsatisfying, and unnatural. Why? Because you're made in the image of your Creator, and He does not thrive in darkness. If you need to be reminded of this, go to Mark chapter 5, read verse 1 through 15. The gathering demoniac, possessed by 2,000 demons, cuts himself every day, cries day and night. And after his encounter with the kingdom of light, Jesus Christ, the whole town came out because they were freaked out, and it says they found him what? Seated at rest clothed, robe of righteousness, not darkness, and in his right mind. Our right mind is the way of the Lord. It doesn't matter what our country propagates. I'm going to say it's still the greatest country on the face of the earth. It is. So let's go to work. Let's redeem it. But we have to start with understanding divine life. I'm pleased to tell you, you know, Wednesday night with the students, I asked how many of you, after listening to this talk, would say, Brother Steve, I I do believe I'm born again. I think there were five or six. And then I asked how many of you, though, want to make sure that I am absolutely born again and God's life comes into me. Every hand went up. We prayed with every single student on Wednesday night to be born again. Regene, will you stand with me? Scott, you guys can come. Matt, you guys can come. Look at this in John 1.12. As many as received Him, to, the, the, to them He gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in His name, who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man. But look at that, born of God. And one more, I'll let you, uh, you know, sit with this one this week. 1 John 5.4, whatever is born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that's overcome the world, our faith. Why does the church, why does the body of Christ seem like the world is overcoming them? 70% of the country, 7 out of 10, claim to be Christian. How come it looks like the world is winning? Because that which is born of God is who overcomes the world. John 16, Jesus said that he had over, in the, in the natural world you'll have tribulation and trial. Be of good cheer. What? I've, I've overcome the world. He is in you. When you get born of God, He is in you. Let's get to know Him. Let's get to know Him and begin to participate with life. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here this morning, you'd say, Brother Steve, I tell you what, I don't know. 
I don't know. I, I'm pretty sure I have never received Jesus Christ's life into my heart and to life my dead spirit and make me new inside. But I want to do that today. If that's you, would you slip your hand up and say, that's me. I don't think I've ever prayed this prayer. I don't think I've ever received divine life. Anybody? If you're here this morning, you say, Brother Steve, I want to make sure. I want to be like those 20 students on Wednesday night. I want to make sure that I am born again, that God himself invades my heart and my spirit. And I begin a journey with him to become like Jesus. If that's you and you say, Brother Steve, I just want to be sure. Will you raise your hand right here this morning? Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? I want to make sure. I want to make sure that I am regened on the inside. Let's pray this prayer with those seven or eight hands. Will you pray this with them? Say, Heavenly Father, I come to you this morning to receive life on the inside. He who has the Son has life. So, Lord Jesus, right now, I receive you. In the depths of my heart, I receive you. With the depth of my being, I receive you. Come into me and make me alive. Make me new. Let me see what you see. Let me hear what you hear. And let me love with your love. Let me walk in your life. Let my eyes radiate with your glory that when people see me, they're going to see you. And Lord Jesus, when people hear me, they'll hear you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for lifing me. And that from this day on, you are in me and I am in you. In Jesus' name. Come on, everybody said... Amen. Amen.